church. How are you? Where's your smiles at? That song was beautiful. God is good. You have life. And if you didn't have breakfast, at least we got you for lunch, okay? So we want to see those beautiful smiles of yours. And I should especially be seeing some big smiles right here. Um, we have a newlywed couple. I'm going to embarrass the, the husband. Let's embarrass the husband, right? <laughs> Why not? And would you please introduce us to, to your, your, uh, your new bride here? That's, uh, absolutely. So this is Rebecca. Uh, she goes by Becky and uh, by all of her friends. So that includes all of you guys now. Um, but yeah, I'm a, uh, for those that don't know, I'm a medical student at Michigan State um, for the MD school. Um, so we'll be around for an, another couple of years at least. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Congratulations. So you're their family here, okay? So please take care of them, newlyweds. You remember how that was, right? Some of you married folks. So, Well, um, I'm going to ask Jermaine to join me up here because uh, we want to talk about something that just happened on the campus of uh, Michigan State and also something that um, ha is happening here at our church. And yep, I'm, I'm on. Um, our church was uh, planted here because our church has a, a church, every church has a mission and a vision, but our church specifically here has an assignment. And as we talked at our board meetings, our assignment is very clear. We were put in East Lansing to reach out to two people groups. Number one, families in our community. We believe that this should be the most family-friendly church. And I don't only mean father and wife and children. I mean grandparents. I mean aunties and uncles. So no matter if you have a family or don't have a family or what age you're at, you could be part of this church family and support the families that come here and be supported yourself. We're a family and we welcome and strengthen families here. But we're also blessed to be two blocks from Michigan State University with 50,000 students. And so I believe that God has also given us the assignment to reach out in a special way to that university. So uh, since I arrived three years ago, we've been working on some plans. And um, the last two years, we've been planning this event called Crave Fest. My idea was, and the idea of the group was that instead of expecting students to come to us, we need to go to, to them. And so what we decided to do is the old Billy Graham way, you know, campus crusade, just pitch a tent in the middle of campus. And so we pitched a 30 by 45 tent in the middle of campus where thousands of students walk. And we had preaching. We had food, free food. We had massages. We had a solidarity wall, which was messages of hope to sexual assault survivors. And we had this big event, and we just want to share a little bit of what we've done because it would not be possible without the support of the offerings, the prayers, and the manpower of this church. And so here you have uh, Pastor Wes Peppers uh, preaching at the university right there in the middle of campus. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, somebody, I think only one person complained. Now the whole time, I think they complained, are they allowed to do something? And yes, we are allowed, thanks to our student club. So we're thankful for that. Uh, here we had special music every day. We had uh, two programs, one at noon and one at uh, about 6 p.m. We had different musicians every day, beautiful live music, uh, praising God, just blaring across the campus. 
Um, we had people working hard at uh, massages there. We see Ahmad working hard there, and I think someone has fallen asleep there or something. And uh, you see the interactions going in the background. We're just connecting with students, making friends. Do you recognize who that is in that red shirt who came out to connect with students? What's, who's that? Yeah, that's our, our grandma, Gogo. And uh, she, it doesn't matter how old you are, where you are in life, students want to connect with other people. And so we're thankful for those who came out to support us there. We also had a solidarity wall. There's been a lot of sexual... This one? Here, can you hear me now? Yeah. All right, great. So uh, we're writing messages of hope to uh, sexual assault victims on campus, and uh, we're thankful for the men who built this wall. And um, who built this wall? Would you raise your hand? Where, where, you, where, you, where are you men at? All right, Mr. Keeney, and where's... Where's Dick at? All right, he's somewhere in the back. Um, they built this beautiful big wall. It got filled up with messages of hope. And uh, there you see students writing. Now, this is what it's all about. It's just, just going on campus to talk with students, ask them, do you have a faith community? Come check us out. Check out our faith community because we want to be there to support you. We want to connect you with the greatest desire, the greatest craving in life, Jesus. And so here I am just inviting some people to sign up for our Crave Nights, which are Friday night Vespers here at the church. And here it's happening. Uh, after some conversation, people say, you know what, I do want to check out this church. I do want to check out this Friday night Vespers. Here's my telephone. Here's my name. Here's my email. Uh, let me know how I can get there. Contact me. And uh, praise be to God, we had a hundred people do this. hundred people said, we want to come check out your Friday night Vespers. A hundred people uh, signed up for Crave Nights, and they were given flyers. They were given information on how to get there and be part of our church community on Friday nights. And so the hope is, uh, by the way, opening night, we had a hundred people sign up. And opening night, we had between 20 and 25 non-Adventist people who had never been in this church come for the first time. So uh, including our students, including the people who are already here, there was about 35 to 40 people worshiping downstairs, and about 20 to 25 was their first time ever here. So we praise God for that, and we have a lot of other people who couldn't come uh, or had different obligations, so we hope that they will still come. So now I'm going to pass it to Jermaine, because downstairs, um, when we expected all these new people to come, we felt that this church called University Church needs to create a place where students feel welcome, a place of worship that they could call their own. And as we looked downstairs, we looked, we said, hmm, it's not quite cutting it. We feel that we could do a little bit better. And so I asked Jermaine to take on this uh, project with the help of other people and give us a walkthrough of, of how that happened and where we are now. All right, just real quickly, every project that we endeavor to start as a church family, we go through a journey together. The beginning of every journey as far as doing ministry for the Lord, the most important part of that journey is prayer. So we started praying and then talking to some other people, and I'm so thankful, students are all thankful, um, that we have a church that believes in student ministry and believes in what students are doing. I believe that uh, these are the young people that will finish, finish the work. And we hope that the Lord will continue to bless us as we continue to work on his behalf. Amen. Amen. So we started downstairs. We're thinking about the, uh, the, the, the basement where we're doing worship, and we decided that we were going to transform things a little bit. When you go downstairs for lunch today, you will not see anything. 
you'll probably see just the curtains drawn and it's as if there were, there were no there's no transformation. But if you travel on this path with me, you begin to see on Friday nights, this is what we go through. We decided to set things up a little bit better. This is the same potluck area and it's beginning to come alive just bit by bit. Richard was, uh, Richard is a genius. I appreciate Richard's work. He just came up with some wonderful ideas to have some panels there um, for the stage. So we kind of revamped the whole thing. And if we keep going, this is what it looks like on a Friday night. So if you walk in on any given Friday, it would look something like this. And then with people inside, this is what the basement looks like on a Friday night. Doesn't that look awesome? Look, we have the panels that Richard built. We have the, the Crayfest background. We have the television. We have a, a stage to worship. And the students, when they walk in, just, they just feel like this church cares about them. They're like, wow, look at the effort put for us there. So we're so thankful for that. And this is what it looked like last night. Amen. So Amen. each Friday, of course, the Lord is uh, still using what we're doing. And I hope that you continue to pray for us. I hope that you may stop in at some point. We would love to see you there connecting with our students. And I think the Lord is going to continue to bless what we're doing. He's already doing so. So thank you so much for your time. Yes. So Friday nights, which we call Crave Nights, is uh, anybody's welcome to come. But it's specifically uh, we're inviting senior, uh, senior teens, so mature teens, university and college students, and young adults, young professionals to come worship with us. And so I'm going to ask David right now to pass out the flyers for for Crave Nights. Are you excited about what's going on in this church? Is anyone excited? All right. Well, I am excited. So keep us in your prayers. This is my prayer. If you could join in prayer with me. My prayer at the beginning of this year was that God would give us 0.1% of Michigan State University students here. What's 0.1% of 50,000? 50. 50. 1% is 500. I said, Lord, give us 50 new students here. And so opening night, we had 20, 25. I hope by the end of the semester, we have 50 new students worshiping with us downstairs. And after that, when we're a community, we're going to take them up to Camp Asabo for a retreat and ask that they dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ. There's so one we, more thing. If you are a student at Cooley, LCC, or Michigan State University, we want to see you on a Friday night downstairs. Let us welcome the Sabbath together as a family, and I hope that the Lord will continue to bless us. As yeah. we work so would you raise your hand if you are a senior teen, university college student, or young adult, young professional? Would you raise your hand at this time? We want to see you. We want to recognize you. Raise your hand. I see you men back there. You guys are still young adults, and uh, we, we hope that you could make it this Friday. Amen. Amen. So those flyers are for you to pass out and invite people. Pass out and invite people. Okay, let's get into our message this morning. Do you have your Bibles, friends? All right, let's begin with a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on the word this, this morning going into this afternoon. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you've brought us to University Seventh-day Adventist Church to worship you, Lord. We come here because you are worthy of praise. And now, Lord, we ask that from thy word, you would teach us something that is relevant and meaningful in our life, Lord. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to get right into it, all right? I'm going to throw you right into the verse, into the thick of it. Today's message is called Embracing Perfection, and it's based on our scripture reading for today, which is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. Will we read it together? Can we do that this morning? Let us begin. Be ye 
Therefore, even as your Father which is in heaven is, is perfect. I, I noticed something about you guys. That when you read this Bible verse, you seem to, to emphasize or concentrate on one word. And I didn't even guide it. Don't act like it was my fault, okay? You guys just naturally did it. What is the word that you focus on, you concentrated, you went to as we did this reading? You went to the word? The word perfect, right? And I am so thankful for different seasons and stages in my life as a human being. Because when I go through different seasons and stages in my life, I read the same verse and I see it differently based on where I am as a person. And this specific verse has changed for me. I once was like you too and focused primarily on the word what? Perfect. But as I entered a different stage in my, in my life, specifically when I became a dad, when I became a, a father, now when I read this Bible verse, the first word that stands out to me primarily is not the word perfect. Now that I'm a father with two beautiful, loving girls, the first word that stands out for me is the father. Being a father is absolutely awesome. How many fathers here in the audience? Okay. I mean, the mother could be with the kids all day, all day long. And as soon as the dad walks in, it's party central, right? It's like, dad's home, yeah, dad's home, dad's home. And mom's like, I have been with you all day, and you haven't cheered me on for anything. I've done the laundry, I cooked, I give you a bath, and dad walks in, and it's just like, woohoo, dad is home. It is good to be a dad. The first thing that pops out in my mind when I read this is father. Now, there's one thing that men and women have in common with their fathers, and, and tell me if you can relate to it. Generally speaking, all men and women seek their father's approval. Now, I understand there's not ideal father-son-daughter relationships, but, but generally speaking, we seek our father's approval. It happens even when you're really small. Like, it starts when you're really small. I know when I take my daughters to the park, my three-year-old is at the park with my wife, and she's playing, and, and mom's just sitting there. But as soon as dad comes, all of a sudden it's like, dad, dad, watch me do this. Dad, watch me do that. And she'll hang on the bars. Dad, are you watching? Are you watching? And she'll jump from this to that. Dad, dad, did you see that? And she'll just get so worked and excited until I tell her what? That's awesome. And as soon as she gets that affirmation and approval from her father, it's like she beams up and then she moves on to the next thing, right? Dad, look at this. Dad, look how I could do this. Dad, look at me do this. Until again, I say, it's awesome. Now, friends, being a dad is important. It is awesome, but it's so important because woven into every human being is this innate desire to seek the approval of father now mothers are awesome don't get me wrong mothers okay mothers give affection and mothers give care i mean if it was 
up to the fathers, the kids would be in pajamas all day just eating Cheerios, okay? You know, it's, it's the mothers that, that take care and, and our affection and all that. But when it comes to father, generally boys and girls seek the father's approval. It's in us. And that's why the enemy knows, Satan knows, that if he could damage, if he could crack this concept or relationship of our earthly father, then it could damage and crack our concept of our heavenly father. When we have damaged relationships that we don't get that approval, we don't get the love, we don't get the attention that we need from our earthly fathers, sometimes that ruins the picture of our heavenly father and so the fact that there are millions of children growing up in houses without their fathers is not an accident friends it's a strategy of the enemy to derail ultimately a relationship with God but thanks be to Jesus that he came to earth to this complex and broken earth to restore what is broken. What a simple mission statement of the life of Jesus, right? What did Jesus come to do? To restore that which is broken. And one of those is this father relationship. But not just relationship with your earthly father. Primarily, he came to heal that which was broken between you and your God. And the way he does this is by teaching us about the God in heaven in this term that he uses called Father. Time and time again in the New Testament, when Jesus is talking about God, he uses primarily the term Father. He doesn't primarily tell us that God is Lord, even though he does that sometimes. He doesn't primarily tell us that God the Almighty or God the Creator. Primarily, when Jesus speaks in the New Testament about God, he says, God the Father. In Luke chapter 11, verse 2, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, what an important thing, how to pray. He said to his disciples, when you pray, say what? Our Father, our Father. And over a hundred times in the New Testament, God is referred to as Father. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus tells his disciples, He who has seen me has seen the the Father. There it is again. So he doesn't say, he who has seen me has seen the boss. He who has seen me has seen the Almighty. He who has seen me has seen Yahweh. No, Jesus purposely and intentionally said, he who has seen me has seen the, the Father. Again, he says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and my Father are, are one. All throughout the life of Jesus, he wanted to understand and teach us this picture that God the Father, God is our Father, and then even in his last breath, dying on the cross, he doesn't quit this language. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Simply put, he is teaching us that God is a father. But when we have cracked relationships, messed up relationships with our father here on earth, that sometimes is not good news, is it? 
Sometimes when our earthly fathers have not given us the attention, have not given us the, the affirmation and the love, then it's hard to understand this concept of God being our Father. But that's why I love that this verse doesn't just say that He is your Father. No, because then maybe you wouldn't get a clear picture of what He's trying to tell us. He says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, that's teaching number one, which is in heaven is? Is perfect. So number one, he's teaching you that God is your father. You're part of his family. You're a child of his. But when you get that mixed up, messed up concept of what a father is, he tells us that this father is not just any father. He is a perfect father. Jesus isn't teaching us that God is like your father. He's teaching us something greater. He's teaching us that God is not only a father, but God is the perfect father. The father that you've always wanted. The father that you've always needed. And you are the son and daughter that he has always wanted. Isn't that beautiful? He is the perfect father you've always wanted and needed. And you are the son and daughter that he's always wanted. So the question is, how do we become his sons and daughters? How do we become a son and daughter to our perfect father? Well, the Bible tells us that there was a man by the name of Nicodemus. You remember that story? You should always remember that story because the most famous Bible scripture is found in the middle of this story. It's found in John chapter 3, right? And the verse is chapter 16. For God so loved the world. Well, in the middle of that conversation, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he's trying to figure out how he could be part of God's kingdom. And Jesus tells him something that at first he doesn't capture or he doesn't want to capture. He tells him that he must be Born what? He must be born again. If you want to be part of this family where you have a perfect father, the solution is very simple. How did you enter your present family? You were born into that family, right? Well, it's the same way. You want to be part of this family. You want to be a son and daughter of the perfect father. All you have to do is be born again into that family born by the spirits of of god god is your perfect father john chapter 1 verse 12 to 13 do you mind opening up your bibles is that okay john chapter 1 verses 12 to 13 tells us exactly how we become parts of the family of this perfect father john chapter 1 verse 12 through 13 and then we'll jump to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. What a beautiful sound as the scriptures are opened. John chapter 1, verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, just lean over in the stranger next to you and use their Bible, okay? Stranger, please share your Bibles with the person leaning over you. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them he gave the right to become the what? The children of God to those who believe in his name. 
So the result of your faith in Jesus Christ means you have the right to become a son or daughter of God, the perfect Father. But as many as received who? Jesus Christ is how you become born again and part of this perfect family. We need this family, friends. If we need our earthly families, how much more do we need our heavenly family? Not having a family is very dangerous and very sad. I mean, when I worked as a nurse in hospitals, it was the most tragic thing to see these little children who had been abandoned and left alone and then put in orphanages without families. In fact, one time I went in the Philippines to the state-run orphanage. Do you know how poor the Philippines is? I mean, I remember going to the Philippines, there's literally like naked street kids walking on the streets. Just like skinny three-year-olds, two-year-olds like my little daughters are. But in the state-run orphanage, you have to be really bad conditioned to be there. And there in that place, I found that the government was housing all the children who had some medical or developmentally delayed problems. So there was these rooms, concrete rooms, and there was literally like 30 children. Some of them were paralyzed, some of them were Down syndrome, some of them had you know, different issues. And I remember seeing this girl that she had probably some mental delays and she was just laying down on the floor there. And I asked, how long is she there? And they say, she's there practically all day. How come someone doesn't pick her up? And they say, we have too many kids. We don't have enough employees. And when the little kids see you, they say, they start crying. And all they want is someone to pick them up and just rub them. Just, and then when you got to go, it's like they're clawing and literally clawing. Don't put me down. God understands that we need families. We need love. We need church families. We need love from relationships. But more than anything, we need a perfect father. And that father becomes your father when you're born again by Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, Who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And of course, you guys know this uh, beautiful verse in uh, 1 John. I'm sorry, now I'm reading 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Whoa, whoa, how did God bestow love on us? What kind of love did he give? Did he give us a car? <laughs> did he give us money? What kind of love did he bestow upon us? What is the greatest gift that the Father could give us? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. God himself is excited that you can be his son and daughter as well. God is excited that you could be born again into his family. Not only should we be excited that we could have a perfect father, he is excited that he can have sons and daughters. The greatest gift that you could give God is that you could give yourself into his family. It reminds me of those YouTube videos of um, an adopted daughter. Have you guys seen those where it's a, a stepfather? His birthday, 
and the stepdaughter uh, hands him a gift, and he unwraps that gift little by little, and you know, it's like box after box, and finally he gets to the end, and the stepfather, it's just a piece of paper, you know, like, what's this? And he reads the paper, and it's adoption papers. The gift that the stepdaughter is giving him is asking him, please sign the papers and be my father. And the stepdad just like starts bawling like, oh, and picks up his stepdaughter. And it's the greatest gift that he could receive from that young girl saying, I want you to be my, my father. Can you do that for God? The perfect father? Be my father through faith in Jesus Christ. Our primary identity, our primary identity is not what you put on your resume. Your primary identity is not where you work or where you come from or what country you're from or what language you speak or what style you dress in. Your primary identity is a loved son or daughter of a perfect what? Father. So here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, you guys were like, perfect, perfect, perfect. But as a father, I now see something different when I read this Bible verse. What Jesus is primarily teaching me here is not be perfect. He's first teaching me that I have a father. He's then teaching me that I have a perfect father. He's then teaching me that I am invited to be a son of that perfect father who loves me that's what that verse is telling me so the be ye therefore perfect is in the context that i am a son of a perfect father and friends we now can be good sons and good daughters because we have the best father isn't that true we can now be be ye therefore perfect because we have a perfect father now what you do for a living, or uh, now the starting point is be ye therefore perfect because you are a beloved son or daughter of a perfect father. Now there's a parallel verse to Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 found in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Look at this parallel verse. It's almost the same thing. Be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven, in heaven is perfect. Ephesians 5 1. Imitate what? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because, this is the powerful part, this is the reason we can be imitators of God, be perfect, because you are his what? You are his dear children. Another version says, because you are his beloved children. So the power in to be able to imitate God is knowing that he is our father and we are his children. When Jesus was baptized... In the Jordan River by John, the moment that he came up, there was a loud voice that rang out from heavens above and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the message that God is telling you this morning is that you cannot please God until you first become a beloved son and daughter of his. Isn't that beautiful? You cannot please God unless first you are his beloved son or daughter. So you cannot live a life that's pleasing to God unless you live a life as a beloved son or daughter of your perfect, perfect 
Father. And because you are His Son, now you can be like Him. Now, in the human father-son, daughter-father relationship, we are like our parents, even though sometimes we fight against it, because we have something called DNA, right? That's passed down. Some of you look like your parents. The older you get, the more you look like them. It's, someone shuddered, or you're like, that's a scary thought. <laughs> you know, my, my father's like, you've guys seen my father, right? He's like five foot, I don't know what, five foot two on a good day? I don't know. <laughs> and so growing up, I was like, I love basketball, right? And, uh, you know, not many people are very good at basketball if they're about five foot two. And so I always pray, Lord, give me, let my DNA not hold me back. Let me grow it above. So I'm not the tallest person on the earth, but when I'm shoulder, uh, a head, head above my, my father, I feel like I'm the tallest person because I got above that DNA, right? And so I'm thankful for that. Even though sometimes you don't want to be like your family or you do want to be like your family, DNA a lot of times dictates it. But the Father in heaven has given you something more powerful than DNA. It's called the Holy Spirit DNA. Have you heard of that power? And that has the power to change hearts, change DNA, change attitudes, change behaviors, change desires, to change you from whatever you are to someone who is like your, like your beloved, perfect Father. Yes, you are my beloved son. And when you become a beloved son or daughter, then you could live a life that is pleasing because the Father has given you His Holy Spirit DNA. You cannot live a life that is pleasing to God unless you live your life as a beloved son or daughter of a perfect father. When he says, be therefore perfect and commands us, we have to understand that commands are not given to us as a way to obtain life, but as a way in which to what? To exhibit life. So what he's saying is because you have a perfect father and because you are a beloved son and daughter, now be ye therefore perfect. In other words, go exhibit that life of a beloved son and daughter with a perfect father. Go exhibit that life that I have given you. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And now that I know that I have a, a perfect Father who loves me, and I'm His beloved Son, I now want to imitate my Father. And I have that Holy Spirit DNA, so I know I could imitate my Father. So what does it mean to be perfect as my Father? You know, I've been kind of sharing every once in a while this journey I'm having at home with building a playset for my daughter. Daughters. And um, I bought it at Costco. And uh, when it came home, I opened it up. My wife opened it up, and there was literally like a thousand pieces. I should have brought the, uh, the, <laughs> the instructions. It's literally like this thick. There's like, I think, what, like, where's me? I think there's almost like a hundred steps on to build that thing. And every once in a while, I, I want to I almost give up, right? I build like... 70% of it. And I'm ready to say, ah, because, you know, my daughters have moved things and lost pieces and, you know, it rained on the, on the steps and everything. So every time I'm like looking at all these pieces, all this mess, 
the only thing that keeps me going, you know what keeps me going? When I look at the box. I kept the box. The box shows this beautiful picture of a finished playset, right? It's like so beautiful. It's got the green grass and the light is hitting it and the swings and the slides. And it's just like, and then I look at what I'm building and I'm just like, okay, let's keep moving. I could do this. I could do this because I know what I'm supposed to what? Do. I know what the finished product's supposed to look like. And so when Jesus says, be ye therefore perfect, he says, as my Father is perfect. So how should we learn how to be perfect? How the Father is perfect. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 47, which is the context of be there perfect as your Father is in heaven is perfect, tells us exactly what he meant when he says the Father is perfect and be like him. All right, open up your Bibles. We're just going to read two more long passages, and then we'll come to the conclusion of our message today. Because we need to understand what that finished play set looks like. What does the Father's perfection look like so we could be imitators of that perfection? Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And I think at the end of this, you'll want to embrace perfection. At least in this verse, it might be different than what you thought. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist, resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him also the other. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, like the Roman soldiers would make, you know, the Israelites, Jewish people carry their stuff for a mile. It says, go with him two miles. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now listen to this, this is the catch, verse 45, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust for if you love those who love you what reward have you do not even tax collectors do the same and if you greet your brethren only what do you more than others do not even tax collectors do so therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect so according to these verses how is the father in heaven perfect because he makes it rain both on the just and the unjust so we think of perfection as this like unattainable vague thing but the scripture is very clear love your neighbor oh you want me to get more specific that person wants to slap you literally or figuratively turn the other cheek don't go at them someone who's trying to take from you let them take it plus give them more someone who wants to use you well Tell them, you know what? You don't need to compel me. I'll go twice the mile for you. What the Bible's telling us to be perfect, to be perfect in this verse is in the context of a loving father who takes care of all his children, whether they want to be his children or not. And that means that if you want to be perfect like your father, then you also have to treat others, especially those who don't deserve it, like God 
treats them. Matthew chapter 5, verse, I promise I'm coming to the end here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect, has a parallel verse in Luke chapter 6, verse 36. It's almost the exact same thing, except the word perfect is replaced by another word. And I think that maybe this will cause you to want to embrace perfection with this better understanding. What is the word that Luke chapter 6 verse 36 uses to replace the word perfect? It says this, Therefore, be what? Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. You have a father. You have a perfect father. You're a beloved son and daughter. Therefore, be like your father by the power of his Holy Spirit DNA. And that means that you are perfect. Oh, pastor, I liked it up until that point. No, no, no. You don't understand what we're talking about. Perfect means be ye merciful. Oh, you want more specifics? It's easy. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 and we'll end with this. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to uh, love your, is that the right one? Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods do not ask them back and just as you want men to do to you you also do to them likewise but if you love those who love you what credit is that to you for even sinners love those who love them and if you do good to those who do good to you what credit is that to you for even sinners do the same and if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back what credit is that to you for even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back but love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Let's take this big, big, you know, sermon thought, all I have said, and let's just summarize it all in this main point, okay? What is this verse trying to tell us? The kind of perfection that Jesus says comes from his Father is the perfection of a heart that finds so much fulfillment and satisfaction in the God of grace that it is able to extend grace to those who don't deserve it. Be ye perfect. You think you could do that? I feel like after this I can do that. I could be like my father. Let me end with this story. My, probably one of my most hurtful memories with my father was something that I did to him. I was in the third grade and in California. My dad has like, uh, uh, like two masters, okay? He, he studied uh, theology and then he came to Loma Linda and he did a master's in public health. But because of sacrifices he made for his family, he decided to um, start his own uh, company back when I was in third, fourth grade to make more money for our family. And he was working in California doing landscaping. And uh, he had this so, like, this old beat up truck, and it was always dirty and had all these tools and it had all these, you know, stuff in the back. 
And uh, usually my mom would pick me up from school, but one day my dad came to pick me up from school. And there I was, waiting with all my friends, waiting with all my friends, and my dad pulls up. And he's dirty, you know, he's got the grass stains, he's got the sweat stains, and the car is this beat-up car. My mom drives a really nice car, you know, <laughs> the sacrifices, you know, the husband makes. And uh, he waves at me, and he's like, come on, Stephen. And my friends turn to me, and they go, who's that? And this little sinful, no-good little son was like, that's one of my dad's workers. <laughs> and, and I ran, and I got into the car, and I just felt like I sat down to my, next to my dad. He gave me a hug. He gave me some water. He had brought some food for me. He just loved me so much, and I just felt like so guilty sitting there that I had rejected my father, and I had rejected being his son. There's nothing that hurts God more when he has poured out his love for you and you reject him as your father and you reject to be his son or daughter. And I want to encourage you today, I don't know what your relationship is or has been with your earthly father, but I want to encourage you that you have a perfect father and he wants you to be part of his family. So who this morning, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, wants to say that this morning I recognize that God loves me so much and he's inviting me through Jesus Christ to be part of his family. And maybe I've known about him or I held him at arm's distance, but today I want to say that I accept the Father's love and I declare myself a son and daughter of his and I'm going to act like it. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be merciful. Who wants to be a son and daughter? Would you raise your hand this morning? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I got some new brothers. I got some new sisters. I got some new aunties. We're all in the family of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your graciousness. Thank you so much for this church family that is an extension of you, our Heavenly Father. And I pray that we would never reject this identity of being yours. Help us, Lord, in our relationships here on earth. If maybe we don't have the best relationship with our earthly fathers, we pray that you would help us, Lord, in that area. But let us never, Lord, walk away from a relationship with you. You've seen the hands. Bring them into this family. This I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Let us uh, stand for our closing song this
the Spirit of God has been moving in your heart and you are thinking that He's calling, believing He's calling you to take that next step in that relationship through baptism or whether it's just coming back to Him in some way, uh, Jermaine and myself are here to support you on that walk. Please don't be afraid to contact us and let us know. We want you to be a child of that King. We also want to invite you as part of a family, we need to hang out outside of just worship service. And so tomorrow at 5 p.m. at the Brody, um, at the Brody um, Food Court, we're getting together to eat together, hang out together as a family. We invite you to do that. Elder.